and Jesus talked about it all the time. And so as, a, as, as this whole series unfolds, what we're doing is we're, we're just playing with the thought. Matter of fact, it's a real popular thought with Jesus in his teaching that behind the scenes of what we can see is, is this huge reality called the invisible kingdom of God. And, and so we're, we're wrestling with that. We're trying to figure out what's that mean to us? How does that interact with us? What, what does all that have to do with me, that there's something big happening? And so there's some key verses. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount. And, on the Mount, and in the middle of this, this sermon, if you will, and it was just a sermon. He was just talking to a crowd of people like this, big crowd actually. And he was sharing, in the middle of that message, he throws out this one statement that kind of has a hinge characteristic to it. And here's what he said, Matthew 6, 20, 6.33. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And so there's that, that idea that somehow I'm supposed to live in accordance with or live in relationship with this idea of this kingdom of God. And he will give you everything you need. Great verse. And, and here's just a couple thoughts until we, so we can jump to the next one. What I need and what the invisible kingdom has for me is directly connected, all right? Let me just try to unpack it this way. A lot of us in this room right now, we have stuff that is going on in our lives, whether it be financial things or, or health things or emotional things or spiritual things or just attitude things. Or it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the thing is. Jesus is saying, you seek first the kingdom give yourself wholly and fully to this, then what you need is going to be met in that kingdom. And so he's saying they're directly connected. And so somehow to get a hold of that, and then here's another thought about that verse, is that we need to understand what comes first because when what comes first is first, everything else works right. And see, a lot of us, we have, we have things in our lives that have become first that really are causing more problems than, than help. I mean, there's, there's just things that are going on in our lives that we allow to take first place in our thoughts and first place in our hearts and first place in our attitudes that are not the kingdom, this invisible kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And because of that, nothing else can be lined up the way it's supposed to be lined up. And so Jesus said, hey, seek this first, and it all comes in, in, in focus. Here's another verse, 2 Corinthians 4. So we fix our eyes, this is Apostle Paul, and he's talking about this whole kingdom tonight. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on this, not on this, this, this world, this time, this moment, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, the invisible kingdom, that somehow right behind the curtain, so to speak, of what we can see is this bigger reality that God is defining or God is part of as well, that we can't understand. And he goes on and says, for what is seen is temporary. Everything that we are part of that we can see with the visible eye, except for God's spirit and what he's doing in those areas, it's temporary. I mean, it's just not going to last. And then he goes, but what is unseen is eternal. And here's a couple thoughts. First one is a question. What do you give your attention to? What do you, what do you focus on in life? What, what is it that, that, that you give your attention to? What is the focus? Because here's what happen, happens a lot of times. We often don't see the big picture because we are so focused on the here and now that we become unaware or, or not aware that there is something big happening at the same time. We're so caught up in this little thing over here, we can't see the big thing. 
We get so caught up in the little things of our lives, even though to us they might feel big and seem big, but they're really not in comparison to what God's doing. And we get tunnel vision, if you will. And, and, and Paul is teaching and telling them, hey, guys, here's the deal. What you're focusing on isn't the big deal. What you're looking at is temporary. The real big show is just beyond what you can see. It's an invisible kingdom. And so that's kind of the basis for some of the thoughts that we're walking through. So what we talked about, week one, and I'll just review real quickly. Week one, we said this, that the invisible kingdom is a reality. Jesus talked about it again and again and again. Not as some far-off mystical kind of thing, but as something very tangible, very real. He even went through and had a bunch of not things about what it is. It's not of this world. It's spiritual. You know, it's not by idle words. I mean, it's all these different thoughts. If you go back and listen to the podcast. Then the last week, we talked about this, and this is huge, that Jesus is the ruler. So there is an invisible kingdom. It's a reality. Jesus is the ruler, and he's not a ruler like, like, like whip and chain kind of ruler. He's a ruler that rules with love first and foremost. He says, I want you to submit to me as the king because I love you. I want you to bow down to me as the king because I'm sacrificing for you, because I'm laying it all on the line. You don't even like me, and I'm going to die for you. That's the kind of king that I am. That's the kind of ruler that I am. And so he establishes his kingdom and his rulership based on what he did on the cross, and we respond to that, all right? So today, you know, we want to keep going, and, and we throw out a definition, and I think this will fill in a blank on your notes. God's people in God's place under God's rule. And we want to talk about that middle thought today in God's place. In other words, we're, we're, we're fulfilling this purpose or this plan that God has for each and every one of us in this kingdom that, that God is talking about. So today I want to explore another aspect of the invisible kingdom. And, and here's what it is. You and I have a unique responsibility in the invisible kingdom. Right now, every person in this room has a very unique responsibility that needs to be fulfilled in relationship to the king and in relationship to the kingdom that every one of us has. And so we're, we need to figure out what that is. What, what exactly is that role? What's my place, if you will, in God's kingdom? And so we need to understand our role. So again, what's the question? What is my kingdom responsibility? What is my role in this whole thing? Now, if, if, if nothing else was said this, said, this next statement is the answer to the question. What is my responsibility or my role in this whole thing? And here's what it is. Our kingdom, invisible kingdom responsibility is fulfilled by faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's the answer. You know, to be faithful. To be full of faith towards God and the king and to fulfill his desire and his plan for us in this whole thing. I mean, that I would be a part of it. Here's a, here's a verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, now, a person, you and I, who is put in charge as a manager must be, what? Faithful. It's this idea that faithfulness is at the core or the center of my responsibility. And so that's, that's where it says. So those that experience the kingdom at its fullest are those that are faithful to the king. Those are the people that experience, that, that have this, ah, the kingdom, man, I love the kingdom of God. This invisible kingdom is a reality, and there is a ruler, and my unique responsibility is to be faithful in this kingdom. And so that's where, where it is. So what is faithfulness? 
You know, we understand faithfulness. When it, when it comes to a marriage relationship, we all understand that it's being solely committed. You know, you don't check out. You don't check in. I mean, you're, you're committed. You, you, don't, you don't just kind of disappear for a while. You, you're there, right? Faithful. It's commitment in that relationship. Nobody steps out of that relationship. In the simple definition of faithful, though, here's what it is. It's someone who can be trusted and someone who is reliable. Someone who can be trusted and who is reliable. Again, think about my responsibility in relationship to God and His kingdom. God is looking for those that would be responsible to be trusted and reliable, right? So that whole faithfulness idea. So I want to talk about some characteristics that the kingdom faithfulness has about it. And we're just going to talk about three things today. Three things that define the characteristic. And here's... This, you know, it was interesting that Charles, what he said today in, in reading that scripture, that, that there are times when I get up here and I, I cheer you on. And it's like, man, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And I'm trying to, I'm just encouraging you and just saying, yeah, rock on. And then there's times that I get up here and I challenge you. And, it, and the biblical word is admonish you. And this, today, this is a little bit more of an honest. I'm challenging you because I know what's on the other side of the doorway. I challenge you to step through this doorway. I challenge you to take it to heart. I challenge you to go for it. Don't just walk out of here and go, ah, okay. So it's a challenge today. So there's three things I, I want to look at that have to do with the characteristics of invisible kingdom faithfulness. And the first one is this. I am consistent in following after my king. I'm consistent, consistent. See, faithfulness is not a nine-to-five job. It's not like when you walked in here today, if your only spiritual experience and relationship with God is this moment, I don't know if you consider that consistent. I mean, you can consistently go to church, which is a really good thing, and that's part of it, but this is a church service, and the church isn't a building or a place. It's a gathering of people all together, right? I mean, it's this movement thing. We'll talk about that later on in this series. But, but this idea that it's not a 9-to-5 job. It's a 24-7 gig. It, it's, it's something that I'm consistently following after my king, whether it be Monday morning, Friday night, Saturday night, whatever the day is, whatever the month is, I'm consistently following after my king. That is, first and foremost, part of faithfulness. It's... It's understanding that consistently I'm pursuing my king. It's consistently moving forward on the spiritual journey. Here's the, here's the deal. You know what the only thing that is the problem for you and I in our spiritual journey is when we stop. It isn't that we're not perfect. It isn't that we have everything figured out and there's none of us that do. But what happens is the moment we allow momentum of my spiritual journey to stop, the starting process many times kills us. We, we can't seem to get it going again because the uh, next thing I know is I'm kind of stuck and I'm not going anywhere and I'm just stagnant, I'm stalled, whatever word you want to put on it, and I don't have momentum because I've lost the consistency of following after Christ. And see, some of you, and, and it happens to me too, some of you, if you were to describe your spiritual journey, it would be just that. It would be, man, I had momentum for two weeks and then I had it for a month and then I kind of lost it. You know, I was going good for a year, and then, and then if you go back, and if we could somehow just check and see what happened, I could almost bet you that what we would find is that you became less and less consistent in your walk and your follow after Christ. 
You became less consistent in the relationships that help you. You became less consistent in being open and listening to the Spirit of God as He speaks to you. You became less consistent. And so I'm consistent in following after my king, this moving forward, this maintaining momentum. And here's another aspect. It's persistence. It's not because last week I tried and it just didn't work. Last week, man, I was here and I didn't get anything out of the message. Or, or last week I opened up the scriptures and all it looked like was just a bunch of words. Last week, and you, you don't have the persistence that it takes to stay with it. So it's consistently pursuing or pressing after this thing. That's a responsibility. It's not casual. It's not convenient. It's remaining constant. <laughs> I'll say a couple things. I hope you still like me after this. Actually, I don't really care, but I'm going to say them anyway. It's not taking spiritual vacations. Can I just mess around for a little bit? Some of you, God wants to do incredibly great things in your walk and your relationship with him, but you're two weeks on, two weeks off. I don't know what kind of relationship you could have with God or anybody else if that's how you do it. If, if you're going to have a two-week on, two-week off, or three weeks on, three weeks off, I mean, if that's how you do relationships, man, I don't know how it works for you, but that doesn't work for me. And so you have to ask yourself, Lord, I have to be committed to this thing. I can't take spiritual vacations. It's, it's got to stay focused, and, and I'm consistently following after this thing. Because it's not starting well, it's finishing well. This is a marathon. What we're talking about today, if you're new to the whole Christian journey, it's not a one-time event. Hey, I went to church. This is a marathon relationship with God. We're going on a long walk, hopefully a long time. We've got some time to walk this out because in the midst of this long walk, God's going to do some amazing things in my life. But I've got to remain consistent. Here's a verse, Luke, 9, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 62. It says, but Jesus said unto them, no man having put his hand to the plow. In other words, he started having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom. What he's talking about is he puts his hand to the plow, and after it goes a little while, he's like, ah, I don't know if I really want to do this. And they get lost, and they distract, and they just go off another direction. He says that's not fit for the kingdom. What he's saying, that's not responsible in the kingdom of God. So that's first and foremost. I'm consistent in following after my king. Here's number two. I am committed to remain steady no matter what the obstacles I am committed to remain steady no matter what the obstacles. Because fulfilling my kingdom responsibility, and we talked about this the first week, it's not a walk in the park. I can almost guarantee you, the more you chase after God and his kingdom and invisible kingdom, what he wants to do in you, you will probably face more opposition. You will probably find it more and more difficult. Why is that? Because the current of what we are part of in this temporary world does not want you to experience in any degree a reality with God. And so there's always this tension, this conflict, this battle, this wrestling match that's going on. And so I have to understand that I have to be committed to remain steady no matter what the obstacles. And let me just throw out rocket science thought here. You are going to face obstacles. It's not going to be a walk in a park. It's going to be difficult. So I have to go, okay, what, what does that mean? What's that look like? I have to walk through some of these things and figure out what that looks like. There will be obstacles. Here's, here's a verse, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those that have endured some difficulties, those that have, were willing to stay committed even though there was challenges, even though there was difficulties facing them. 
See, too, pe- too many people never experience the blessed life of the kingdom because they bail whenever it gets a little uncomfortable. I mean, every time something, ah, that doesn't make me feel good. Ah, oh, that's kind of inconvenient. Ah, uh, and, and, and what happens then is we bail out and God's going, whoa, 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 man, I have got this incredible opportunity for you, this incredible moment for you. Just come on, let's go for this thing. So it's this consistent, committed thing to being, remaining steady in spite of the obstacles. See, we have to understand our kingdom responsibility is far greater than our comfortableness. Let me say that one more time. We have to understand that our kingdom responsibility is far greater than our comfortableness. So what do we remain committed to? All right, let me just answer that. Jesus, first and foremost, Jesus, he's our king. But but then beyond that, what what do we remain faithful to? Let's just throw out some, some thoughts here. First of all, how about church? And I'm not talking about church services. I'm talking about the body of Christ, okay? And here's why I think we need to remain committed faithfully, no matter what the obstacle to the church, the body of Christ, because Jesus, it says, died for the church. And Jesus and all of the gospel accounts, and, and he said, I'm going to build my church. He said, I'm going to do all these things. Somehow, some way, the kingdom and the church are intertwined together. You can't remove one from the other. Because God is actively working through the vehicle called the church. So maybe I should be committed to something that Jesus was willing to die for. Just a thought. I have to wrestle with that. Here's another one. How about the kingdom message? The message. I'm supposed to be committed to preach the message, to proclaim the message, to live the message. You're like, well, what's the message? The message was is that there was a humanity created by, by a powerful God and that we, by our own choice, decided, no, I don't want to have anything to do. And we rebelled against him, but out of love, out of compassion, the Father says, no, nope, it's not going to be that easy. You can't get away from me that quick. And so I'm going to send my son. He's going to die on a cross. He's going to pay a debt that you could never pay to give you an opportunity, a life that you could never get yourself. That's the message. And we're supposed to be a part of living that out and proclaiming that and bringing that everywhere we go. That's what we're committed to. And so we have to ask ourselves, Lord, am I following? Am I really steady to bring that message? Or, you know, and sometimes it's not popular. Or the love of the Father. I love this one. How about, how about being committed to the love of the Father? That God loved me, so now all of a sudden my commitment is to love you the same way. God, God loved me when I was unlovable, and now I love you, even though you're, and I'm not talking to you, sir. Just, he's like, dude, quit pointing at me. <laughs> God, I mean, that he, that he loves us. Just this unconditional love. And so I'm going to proclaim that. I'm going to be committed to that. That God, even though you're rebelling and you're going all these different ways, the love of the Father is what I'm committed to. He loved me. And I don't lose that. I don't walk away from that. So, so that's one of those things. So, so what's the message? You know, the kingdom is real. Jesus rules it with love and authority. Here's a couple verses. Luke 9. He sent them forth to preach the kingdom of God, to proclaim this message, to heal the sick. 1 Corinthians 5, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard, what's it say? To persuade others. Somehow this commitment that we have is related to our ability to bring forth this message that has affected our lives. And maybe you're in the position where you're wrestling with that. That's what's happening right now. That's what's going on. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, in everything we do, 
We show that we are true ministers of God. In other words, we're responsible to the kingdom. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us. And by the way, it's not because we're doing it. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to do it in us. And by our sincere love, and then check out how it concludes this little section, we faithfully preach the truth. So somehow this responsibility is me committed, no matter what the obstacle is, to continually bring the message that is life-changing for those around me. So our kingdom responsibility is to remain committed in, in spite of the persecution, to endure, endure temporary pain, to remain pure, to practice the kingdom. All that is in that text. Third one. I am confident then. So I'm consistent, consistent in following after my king. I'm committed to remain steady in spite of the obstacles for my king. And the third one is I'm confident the king is watching and is coming back to settle accounts. I don't know about you, but that kind of freaks me out. Right? Right now, he's watching. Right now, he's looking at Southridge Church. He's looking at you. He's, he's looking at your family. He's looking at your home. He's, he's looking. Matter of fact, it even gets weirder. He even knows what you're thinking right now. That's, dude, pure thoughts, pure thoughts, pure thoughts, pure thoughts. Right? I mean, he knows exactly what's going on. And so I'm confident, and this is what affects my responsibility. I'm confident the king is watching, one, and he's coming back to settle accounts, too. So there's, there's yet to come this idea that the king is returning, and he's going to say, okay, how'd we do? I gave you a responsibility. How'd you do? I, I gave you an opportunity. How'd you do? You know, and, and some of you go, man, that's what was happening. He said, yeah, that's what was going on. And so we have to wrestle with that. And, 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 and here's what the confidence is. I am confident that whatever difficulty I face now is worth staying faithful to the end because he's coming back to settle accounts. I am confident that no matter what my life, my lot in life is, let me just kind of slow down here for a second. What my lot in life. So, so what I mean is this. No matter if you're rich or poor, you're healthy or you're sick, you're happy or you're sad, you're in a difficulty or ease, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what that lot in life is, but what does matter, am I remaining faithful and recognizing my king no matter what my situation in life is? Because I'm going to have to give an account for it, no matter what it is. Now let me read this text of scripture and we'll try to wrap this up. Luke chapter 19, great text, it's a little bit big, but I think it's worth reading the whole thing. All right, so here Jesus is teaching on this very thing that I'm talking about. It goes like this. A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. And by the way, when Jesus was sharing this story, two things were happening at the same time in the story, all right? One of them was there was a very real king in the real time that did this exact same thing that Jesus was talking about, Okay. So that was very real time, real life. So when he's telling the story, everybody's going, yeah, understand. But at the same time, he's alluding to his kingdom and him being the king and us being the servants at the same time. It was a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Jesus going to heaven, being crowned king, sitting at the right hand of the Father. 
Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver. How many like ten pounds of silver? All right, yeah. Let me get just in that day's time. And he said he divided it up so they each had a pound of silver. And a pound of silver would have been the equivalent of a hundred days wage or a third of your year's income. All right? Just to kind of give you an idea of what, what we're talking about here. He said, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want him to be our king. And so right away, there's this group of people that say, uh-uh, we don't even want to submit to your kingdom at all. We don't want to have anything to do with it. And so then it says in verse 50, after he was crowned king, he returned. I'm confident that he's watching. He's going to return. He returned and called in his servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were, how responsible they were with what they were given. The first servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and made ten times the original amount. I mean, just amazing. Ten times the amount. And he says, verse 17, Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful. With the little I entrusted you, so you will be a governor of ten cities as your reward. Verse 18, the next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. And he says, well done, the king said, you will be governor over five cities. It's almost kind of like the first guy got a chest bump, the next guy got a high five. All right? And, and then it says in verse 20, but the third servant. This third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops where you didn't plant. So fear was part of his story. Verse 22, you wicked servant, the king re- re- roared. Your own words condemned you. If you knew that I am a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And then it gets intense. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Like, whoa. So there's all kinds of stuff going on here. Let me make just a few observations as I wrap this up. First one is this. We live in a window of kingdom opportunity. Right now, in this room, every single one of us are in a window of opportunity. You're like, what kind of window of opportunity is this? It's a testing time. God is testing you and I and looking for How will you be responsible with what I've given you? And I'm not just talking dollar amounts. I'm talking life. I'm talking about what are you doing with what you have? What are you you doing with that? What what part of that? He said, so we live in a window of kingdom opportunity. Secondly, and this one blows me away, God is trusting us with something big. So check this out. God knows exactly who I am. I'm not perfect all the time. I make mistakes. I have attitudes sometimes. I I mean, I just do stuff that drive me crazy. 
in light of that, God says, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm going to trust you with the kingdom. I'm, I'm going to trust you with responsibility. I'm going to give this to you. I know you don't deserve it. I know you haven't earned it, but I trust you. Wow, that's a little overwhelming. God trusts us with something big. He's given us a responsibility. Here's the third thing. Resistance to the king will remove me from fulfillment, but not responsibility. Resistance to the king will remove me from fulfillment. I won't have that fulfillment of the kingdom, but I won't get away from my responsibility. And see, there are those that are unwilling to acknowledge the reality and the ruler of the kingdom, and these people are considered enemies in this story of the king. And somehow, we mistakenly think, I'll pass. <laughs> no thanks. It's not part of the gig. But Jesus is saying those who are resisting the king are at the same time rejecting their responsibility. There is no middle ground. Here's the third one, or fourth one. Honoring the king and knowing about the character of the king are not the same thing. Think about that for a second. A lot of us know about Jesus. <laughs> a lot of us even know Bible stories. But knowing that and honoring the king can be totally different things. Knowing about it, if you're sitting here and you know the stories, but there's not honoring, those things are totally different. And Jesus is saying, hey, in the story, he said, hey, if you knew this is who I was, man, you should have done this. I mean, knowing isn't going to cut it. It's got to be something more. Here's another one. Those who were faithful maximized their kingdom opportunity. Those who were faithful maximized the opportunity. Those who were unfaithful wasted their opportunity. Now here, let me wrap this up as the worship team comes. In the story, there's ten there's ten people in the story. Seven clearly rejected the king. They wanted to do life on their own terms. There's a lot of people, maybe that's where you're at right now. I just want to do it on my terms. I don't, really, I don't want a king. I'd rather be my own king, right? But my question today, what was the third servant doing? What was he doing? Because here's the deal. He was a lot like us, all right? He knew the king was for real. He knew he was supposed to be a servant in the kingdom, but there was a disconnect. What was he doing? What, what was he, when the king was away that whole time, what was, what was he doing? I mean, what was he busy about? What was he responsible with? Obviously, he didn't do anything with what he was given, so what was he doing? And I think here's a couple answers. Maybe this is where we're at today. It's like, Lord, help us. We, get, we need to be consistent, committed, confident. I think what he was doing was he was doing this. Oh my goodness, the king's coming back. Oh my goodness, the king's coming back. And he was consumed with the worry about what might happen or what could happen or whatever. And he was consumed about the worry of the situation versus being responsible with the situation. Maybe he was partying. <laughs> I got time. I got time. I got time. I got time. And there's a party mentality. Maybe he was making fun of the other servants like, oh, you guys are really... A, radicals about this maybe he was building his own kingdom secretly I don't know but I think it was this I think he was just getting by I think he was just getting by he was thinking in his own mind that if I could just stay neutral I'll be okay 
And Jesus is like, dude, there's no neutral in the kingdom. There's no neutral in the kingdom. You know, the responsibility is a yes or no. It's not kind of or maybe whatever. It's, there's no neutral here. There's no such thing as standing still in the kingdom of God. You're either getting more responsibility or you're slipping back. You're either advancing with greater responsibility or you're slipping back. There's no such thing as I'm neutral. I'm not hurting anybody. I don't want to do it. doesn't work. So here's my last question. We'll pray. What kind of servant in the kingdom will you be? What kind of servant in the kingdom will you be? I mean, it's a decision. It's, you know what, I'm going to be a responsible one. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be confident. That's, that's the kind of, that's what I'm going to be. Or am I going to be this other one? Or, God forbid that you be one of the seven. I don't want no king. Lord, let's pray. Lord, help us to make a great decision today. Help us to choose you above everything else, to seek first the kingdom of God. To live righteously, Lord, because everything that we desperately need comes from those simple thoughts to be responsible, Lord, with what you're offering. So, Lord, I pray that you stir faith in us right now to choose you above everything else. In Jesus' name.